Today, uh, we're beginning this new series called A Wonderful Time of the Year. And of course, uh, for me, this fall of the year is always the most wonderful time for me. I don't know what there is about the fall that uh, rings my bell, so to speak, but it does. I love this time of the year. And I love the celebration of Thanksgiving and of the Christmas season. And I believe that uh, uh, no matter what time of the year it may be, it's the Lord Jesus that makes it wonderful. And that's what I guess about Thanksgiving and Christmas that uh, means so much to me. It's, it's the Lord himself. But it's encouraging to know that he's with us every day of the year. It doesn't matter what time of the year it may be. It's a wonderful time of the year when Jesus is in the center of it all. So uh, today's message will focus on the person of Jesus, the reason for the season, the reason why it is so wonderful. It's because Jesus is so wonderful. His name shall be called Wonderful. In the Psalms, chapter 77 and verse 14, the Bible says, you are the God who works wonders. And indeed through his son, the Lord Jesus Christ, uh, God has indeed worked wonders for us. Why is Jesus so wonderful? Well, the name itself, I believe, explains why he is so wonderful. You may remember in the third chapter of the book of Exodus, Moses uh, saw a bush that was on fire. And it was unique in that while it was on fire, it was not being consumed. And Moses said, I must go aside and see this sight for myself. I think we might say the same thing about the Lord Jesus, that we must draw aside and forget everything else and focus our attention upon him. Now, in order to do this, we need to understand the definition of the word wonderful. There are some synonyms that we can use that explains the word wonderful. We could also use the word, the word literally means uh, to be separated from, uh, to be distinguished from, to be different, to be unique. Well, you say, well, that doesn't explain the word wonderful. Well, it's because Jesus is so unique. That's what makes him wonderful. It's because uh, he is different from anybody and anything else in all of the universe. There, there's no one else in the entire universe, never has been, there's not and never will be, who is as unique and as different and as special as the Lord Jesus Christ. And because he is unique and different and separate from everything else, it creates a, a, a sense of awe and awesomeness and and, and wonderment about us. He's a marvelous, marvelous individual. As Lanny Wolf said, he promised us that he would be a counselor, a mighty God and the Prince of Peace. He promised us that he would be a father and that he would love us with a love that would not cease. Well, I tried him and found his promises are true. He's everything he said that he would be. The finest words I could know, could not begin to tell just what Jesus really means to me. He's more wonderful than my mind can conceive. He's more wonderful than my heart can believe. 
He goes beyond my highest hopes and my deepest dreams. He's everything that my soul ever longed for. Everything he's promised, so much more, so much more. More than amazing, more than marvelous, more than miraculous could ever be. He's more than wonderful. That's what Jesus is to me. I stand amazed when I think that the king of glory should come to dwell within the heart of man. I marvel just to know that he really loves me when I think of who he is and who I am. For he's more than wonderful than my mind can conceive. He's more wonderful than my heart can believe. He goes beyond my highest hopes and my fondest dreams. He's everything that my soul has ever longed for. Everything he promised and so much more. More than amazing, more than marvelous. More than miraculous could ever be. He's more than wonderful. That's what Jesus is to me. He's everything that my soul could ever long for. Everything he promised and so much more. More than amazing. More than marvelous. More than miraculous could ever be. He's more than wonderful. That's what Jesus is to me. He's more than wonderful to me. And so today... I want to look at four things about the Lord Jesus that makes him marvelous, that makes him so wonderful. And I want to begin with this thought that Jesus is wonderful because of who he is, because of who he is. Now, there are four things about Jesus that makes him unique, that causes him to stand aside and be recognized as different and separate from anybody else who has ever lived or ever will live. And the first thought is this, that Jesus is wonderful because he is the creator of all that is. He is the creator of all that is. Now in the Bible, in the book of Genesis, chapter one and verse one, the Bible says, in the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth. Now the word created there is unique in itself because we're talking about a unique God and a unique savior. The word created, that's translated created there is the Hebrew word bara. And it literally means that you make something out of nothing. Something is made out of nothing. Now, now when God created the world, he did not scoop up a lump of clay roll it around in his hand until it became a ball and flung it out into space and said, that's the earth. God didn't take a pair of scissors and cut out stars from yellow construction paper and used a tack to put it on the inner lining of the universe. God took nothing and made everything. All it took was his breath. All it took was a word. And God said, let there be. And there was. Well, the Bible also says that Jesus was a major part in the creation of the world. In John's gospel, chapter 1 and verse 3, the Bible says, All things came into being through him. And apart from him, nothing came into being that has come into being. So Jesus was there in existence before the world was ever created and he played a major role in the creation of the world. And in the book of Colossians, chapter one, verses 16 and 17, 
The Bible says, for by him, and the word him, spelled with a capital H, that's a reference to deity. And in this passage of scripture, it is a reference to Jesus. So for by him, by Jesus, all things were created, both in the heavens and on the earth, visible and invisible, where the thrones or dominions or rulers or authorities, all things have been created through him and for him. He is before all things and in him all things hold together. So Jesus is the creator of everything that is in existence. He created you. Now, man tries to think that he creates. Man does not create. Man discovers and man develops and man invents, but he does not create. Because you and I, nor any other person who's ever lived, is alive now, or ever will live, can take nothing and make something. And those who would have us to believe that evolution was the process in which the world came into existence, say that over millions and uh, and eons of years and centuries of, and so forth uh, that everything evolved into what it is and it all started with the Big Bang. Well, if it started with the Big Bang, there had to be something already in existence for it to go bang. But there wasn't anything in existence. There was a time when nothing existed but God. And Jesus has always existed. We'll look at that again in just a moment. But Jesus was there and he was a part of a major role in the creation of everything. It was created through him, for him, and he is the one who holds it all together. One of these days, scientists and people will discover what holds this world together. And you know what it's going to be? It's going to be Jesus. That's who it's going to be. Jesus is the spiritual glue, if I may use that expression, that holds this world together. If Jesus ever stops holding us together, we're going to cease to exist. I'm telling you that he is unique and he is marvelous and he is wonderful because he has created everything that is in existence. Notice the second thing. Not only is he the creator of all that is, he is the God-man. The God-man. He's 100% God and 100% man. He's not partially God and partially man put together in one. No, he is simultaneously 100% God and 100% man. The Bible says in John 1:14, and the word became flesh. And again, in my translation, the New American Standard that I read from, the word word is spelled with a capital W. And anytime you find that word in the Bible spelled with a capital W, it is a reference to Jesus. Jesus is the living word. The Bible is the written word. Jesus is the living word. And the word, the Lord Jesus became flesh and dwelt among us and we beheld his glory, the glory as of the only begotten of the Father, full of grace and truth. When uh, Joseph, uh, the foster father of our Lord, was struggling <clears throat> over the news that his fiancee, uh, Mary, had become pregnant and he was struggling with what he was going to do. Uh, by right, he could have had her stoned to death or he could have divorced her. The angel came to him and said, uh, don't be afraid to take Mary to be your wife because that which is in her and she has conceived is of the Holy Spirit. It is of God. And you're going to give him a name. And there are two names listed there, at least two names. The name Jesus, which means Jehovah saves. The other name is the name Emmanuel. The name Emmanuel means God with us. God with us. So Jesus didn't begin to become deity when he was born. He's always been 
divine and divinity, but he became a human being. Over there in the prophecy of Isaiah where it says, a child will be born to us, a son will be given to us. That describes the, the, the God-man nature of our Lord. The child that was born, that refers to his fleshly nature, his human nature, but a son that is given is that that's his divine nature. He was both God and man. In the book of Colossians, chapter 2 and verse 9, the Bible says, For in him, that is in Jesus, all the fullness of deity dwells in bodily form. The word fullness here can be translated the sum total of all that God is. The sum total of all that God is was in and the person of the Lord Jesus Christ. That's why our Lord would say to Thomas, when Thomas said to him, Lord, show us the Father, he said, Thomas, have I been so long with you and you've not seen the Father? The Father and I are one and the same. Everything that God is, all of his attributes, all, all, all of him was in the fullness and in the, in the person of the Lord Jesus Christ. And the word dwell there where it says, for in him all the fullness of deity dwells in him. That word dwell means to dwell permanently, continuously, that it never ceases to exist. Jesus has always been God and always will be God. The fullness, the sum total of all that God is, is the Lord Jesus Christ. In the book of Hebrews, it says in chapter 2, verses 17 and 18, Therefore, he had to be made like his brethren in all things, so that he might become a merciful and faithful high priest in things pertaining to God to make propitiation for the sins of the people. For since he himself was tempted in that which he has suffered, he is able to come to the aid of those who are tempted. That's the writer of the Hebrews' way of saying he was God, but also man. Tempted at all points like you and I are tempted. You cannot be tempted with a temptation that Jesus wasn't tempted with. He is not only God, but he was human and is. He's the God-man. It was something to wonder at. God, the Paul, Paul, the apostle, says it's a mystery of godliness. God was manifested in the flesh. There's never been anyone nor ever will be a person like Jesus. He is unique. He is marvelous. He is wonderful, not only because he's created everything, but because he's the God-man. The third thing that I point out to you is that he is the eternal one. He is the eternal one. In the book of Revelation, chapter 1 and verse 8, Jesus, it is said of him, he is the Alpha and the Omega, who is, who was, and who is to come, the Almighty. Now, Alpha and Omega are the first and last letters of the Greek language. It would be the equivalent of our saying Jesus was the A and the Z and everything in between. He is the Alpha and the Omega, the one who is, who was, and who is to come, the Lord God Almighty. That's who Jesus is. There has never been a time when Jesus has not existed. He is eternal. In John 8, 58, Jesus said to them, Truly, truly, I say unto you, before Abraham was born, I am. You remember over in the book of Exodus uh, when, when Moses went to that burning bush because it was so unique, on fire but not being consumed. The Lord spoke to him out of that flame and said, uh, I'm going, You're going to be, deliver my people, Israel, out of the bondage of Egypt. 
And of course, Moses began arguing with him about why he couldn't do that. And one of those arguments was, well, when I get down there into Egypt and they ask me, by what authority do, do you do this? Who sent you to do this? What am I going to say to them? And the Lord said to him, say to them, I am that I am. And when Jesus walked on the face of the earth for those 33 years, he was the I am in the flesh. And he said, before Abraham was ever created or born, I am I have always existed. He is the eternal one. That's what makes him so wonderful and so unique and so marvelous. And then the fourth thing, not only was the creator of all things and the God man and the eternal one, he is the mediator between God and man. The mediator between God and man. In 1 Timothy chapter 2 and verse 5, for there is one God and one mediator also between God and men, the man Christ Jesus. Mediator means the one who stands between. For example, if there are two individuals who uh, are at odds with one another, something's happened and longtime friends, but now they're separated and they're at odds with one another, don't get along with one another. Jesus stands in the middle and he takes hold of one man's hand and another man's hands and he brings them together. On the cross, our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ took the hand of God, if you please, and the hand of man and he brings us together through forgiveness. He is the mediator. On one occasion, our Lord asked the question, who do you think I am? Who do people say that I am? What do you think of Christ? Well, to the artist, he is the one altogether lovely. To the architect, he is the chief cornerstone. To the astronomer, he is the son of righteousness. To the baker, he is the bread of life. To the banker, he is the hidden treasure. To the builder, he is the sure foundation. To the carpenter, he is the door. To the doctor, he is the great physician. To the educator, he is the great teacher. To the engineer, he is the new and living way. To the farmer, he is the sower and the word of the harvest. To the florist, he is the rose of Sharon. To the geologist, he is the rock of ages. To the horticulturalist, he is the true vine. To the judge, he is the only righteous judge of man. To the juror, he is the faithful and true witness. To the jeweler, he is the pearl of great price. To the lawyer, he is counselor, giver, lawgiver, and true advocate. To the journalist, he is the tidings of great joy. To the philanthropist, he is the unspeakable gift. To the philosopher, he is the wisdom of God. To the preacher, he is the word of God. To the sculptor, he is the living stone. To the servant, he is the good master. To the statesman, he is the desire of all the nations. To the student, he is the incarnate truth. To the theologian, he is the author and the finisher of our faith. To the toiler, he is the giver of rest. To the sinner, he is the Lamb of God who takes away the sins of the world. And to the Christian, he is the Son of the living God, the Savior, the Redeemer, and the loving Lord. And that's why he's more wonderful than my man can conceive. He's more wonderful than my heart can believe. He goes beyond the highest hopes and the fondest dreams. He's everything that my soul could ever long for. Everything he has promised and so much more, more than amazing, more than marvelous, more than miraculous could ever be. He's more than wonderful. That's what Jesus is.
to me. Jesus is wonderful because not only of who he is, but Jesus is wonderful because of what he said. Because of what he said. At the closing verses of the Gospel of Matthew in the Sermon on the Mount, it is said of Jesus that when Jesus had finished these words, the crowd were amazed at his teaching, for he was teaching them as one having authority and not as their scribes. He was unique in even his teaching. In Luke 4.22 it says, And all were speaking well of him and wondering at the gracious words which were falling from his lips. And in John 6.63, Jesus said, The words that I have spoken to you are spirit and they are life. And so when Jesus spoke, he didn't speak idle words. He spoke the truth. There are two things about the words that Jesus spoke. There could be many more, but our time will not allow us to look at them, but at least two. What makes Jesus so wonderful is that his words are challenging to us. One example that I give to you is recorded in Luke 9, 23, where Jesus said to them, if anyone wishes to come after me, let him deny himself and take up his cross and follow me. My, what a challenge. One of the greatest, if not the greatest challenge of all is for us to deny ourselves. We're so self-centered. We're so egotistical. It's me, 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 I, I, I. I'm first in everything. That's what I want to be. Self sits on the throne. That's what makes us sinners because we, we don't give God his rightful place in our lives. And so Jesus said to his disciples and said to the people who wanted to follow me, if you want to follow me, then you take up your cross. Do you know what the cross means? The cross means crucifixion. The cross means that you die to self. The Apostle Paul, did he not say that I'm crucified with Christ? Nevertheless, I live, yet not I, but Christ who lives in me in the life that I now live in the flesh. I live by the faith in the Son of God who loved me and died for me. What a challenge for you to say no to yourself. and To let Jesus Christ be the Lord and the Master as well as the Savior of your life. So his words were challenging. But not only were they challenging, his words were also comforting, comforting words. Do you remember as recorded in John chapter 8, the woman that was caught in adultery? In the very act of adultery, and, and these uh, scribes and Pharisees and Sadducees who wanted to trick Jesus into, into saying something wrong that they could accuse him. And, and uh, they, they said to Jesus, this woman was, was discovered and found in the very act of sexual intercourse. You know, it, it's something strange about that whole situation because nothing is ever said about the man. And yet the law says not just the woman, but the man also would have been stoned to death. Where's the man in all of this? I think it was a setup. I think they did it purposely that way. They found her in the act of adultery. And they said to Jesus, the law says this woman should be stoned to death. What do you say? You know, Jesus stooped down and wrote something in the sand. Man, I wish, don't you wish he, what he, whatever it was he wrote. When he looked up, all those guys had disappeared. See, we're all sinners. Be careful who you point your finger to. You got three pointing back at yourself. So Jesus looked at the woman and he said to her, woman, where are your accusers? She said, I have none. And he said to her, neither do I condemn you. Go and sin no more. Boy, has Jesus ever said that to you? 
to know that you're a rotten sinner and you deserve damnation and hell for all eternity, and yet he says to you, I love you. I don't condemn you. Go and sin no more. My, what comforting words to know that Jesus, through his shed blood, has just wiped my sins away. Can't get more wonderful than that. Oh, yes, it can. Because when his dear friend Lazarus died, Jesus showed up at the funeral three days late. And Mary and Martha said, if you'd been here, Lord, my brother wouldn't have died. Jesus said, your brother live again. Oh, I know he'll live again in the resurrection. Oh, no, Jesus said, I am the resurrection and the life. He that believeth in me, though he were dead, yet shall he live. And whosoever liveth and believeth in me shall never die. Let not your heart be troubled, Jesus said. You believe in God, believe also in me. For in my Father's house are many mansions. If it were not so, I would have told you. I go to prepare a place for you. And if I go and prepare a place for you, I'll come again and receive you into myself that where I am there you may be also. Oh, what comfort that brings to our hearts when your husband dies, when your wife dies, when your child dies, when your grandchild dies, when your dear friend dies. And Jesus said, don't let your heart be troubled. There's life, more life than you've ever dreamed of, more than you've ever imagined, more wonderful than my mind can conceive, more wonderful than my heart can believe. He goes beyond my eyes, hopes, and fondest dreams. He's everything that my soul has ever longed for, everything that he's promised, and so much more, more than amazing, more than marvelous, more than miraculous could ever be. He's more than wonderful. That's what Jesus is to me. Because of who he is, because of what he has said, and thirdly, because of what he did. Because of what he did. There are three things that I would suggest to you today. There perhaps are others, but at least for these three, one thing that Jesus did is that he went about doing good. He went about doing good. In Acts chapter 10, in verse 38, when Peter was at Caesarea, he said, you know of Jesus of Nazareth, how God anointed him with the Holy Spirit and with power and how he went about doing good and healing all who were oppressed by the devil for God was with him. Jesus went about doing good. Well, he made the blind to see, the lame to walk, the deaf to hear, the dead to rise again. Everything that Jesus did, even when he went to, to Canaan, Galilee, to perform the first miracle, he took water, just plain old H2O water, and he turned it into wine. Why, he couldn't even attend a wedding ceremony and allow it to be ordinary. It was extraordinary. Our Lord went about doing good. The second thing is that makes him so wonderful that as he died for our sins. He was dying for you when he died on the cross. Romans 5, 6, and 8 says, For while we were still helpless at the right time, Christ died for the ungodly. For one will hardly die for a righteous man, though perhaps for the good man someone would even dare to die. But God demonstrated his own love toward us and that while we were yet sinners, Christ died for us. 
When he died on the cross, it was for you and you and you and you. Every person in the world, Jesus died for you. He died for you. And then thirdly, he rose from the grave. My, the greatest miracle of all, perhaps, when Jesus rose from the dead, never get tired of reading it. And now after the Sabbath, as it began to dawn toward that first day of the week, Mary Magdalene and the other Mary came to look at the grave. And behold, a severe earthquake had occurred, for an angel of the Lord descended from heaven and came and rolled away the stone and sat upon it. His appearance was like lightning and his clothing as white as snow. The guards shook for fear of him and became like dead men. The angel said to the women, don't be afraid, for I know that you are looking for Jesus who has been crucified. He's not here. <laughs> for he has been raised just as he said. See the place where he was lying? Go quickly and tell his disciples that he's risen from the dead. And behold, he is going ahead of you to Galilee and there you will see him. And behold, I have told you, see, look for yourself. He's not here. He has risen from the dead. Oh, he's more wonderful than my mind can conceive. He's more wonderful than my heart can believe. He goes beyond my highest hopes and my fondest dreams. He's everything that my soul ever longed for, everything that he promised, and so much more, more than amazing, more than marvelous, more than miraculous could ever be. He's more than wonderful. Oh, that's what Jesus is to me because of who he is, because of what he said, because of what he did. But the fourth and final thing, to me, Jesus is wonderful because of what he can do for you. Because of what he can do for you. And there are many, many things that he can do. Again, only four that I give to you. First of all, he can forgive you and does and will. He will forgive you of your sins. Many of us, if not all of us here this morning, have experienced that. You remember on Sunday night, I've been doing a series of messages called The Great Physician Who Made House Calls. And one of the house calls that were made was when Jesus went into the home and people, word came, got out that Jesus was there and, and they, just, they just came together. And there were four men who had a friend who was paralyzed and they brought him to Jesus thinking if they could get him to Jesus, Jesus could make him well. But they couldn't get to him because of the crowd. So they went up to the top of the, the house, the roof was flat and they tore a hole in it and they let Jesus down. The first thing Jesus said to him was not, Take up your, roll, your bed and roll it up and walk. No. Jesus looked at him and he said, Son, your sins be forgiven you. Man, weren't you glad when Jesus said that to you? Oh, maybe not said it verbally to you. He said it in his word. The Holy Spirit said it to you. Whispered it in the ear of your soul. Your sins are forgiven. Only God can forgive sin. Jesus was God. He died on the cross. He who knew no sin became sin for you that you might be made the righteousness of God in him. And if you're here today without Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior, my dear friend, I got great news for you. Good tidings of great joy. There is forgiveness of your sin in Christ. He can and he will forgive you. The second thing is that he will give you eternal life. Not only to forgive you of your sin, but you can live forever. You will live forever. You'll live with ever, forever either apart from the Lord for all eternity in a place called hell or you'll live forever with him in a place called heaven. There's not an alternative. Those are the only two choices you have. And where you spend eternity will be determined by what you do with Jesus now. You can't wait until after you die to decide what you're going to do with Jesus. You've got to decide now. Your decision as to who Jesus is to you 
will determine where you will spend eternity. And Jesus said, for God, or the Bible says, for God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son that whosoever would believe in him would not perish but have everlasting life. Jesus said, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No one comes to the Father but by me. So he can and will and does forgive you of your sins when you're willing to repent of it, and then he will give you eternal life. Eternal life. You will live forever with him. Thirdly, he can give to you an abundant life, an abundant life. Jesus said the thief, who is the devil, came to kill, steal, and destroy. But I have come that you might have life and that you might have it more abundantly. And then the fourth thing, not only to forgive you of your sins and give you eternal life and abundant life, but he can give you daily guidance and strength. Daily guidance and strength. In the first chapter of Luke's gospel, in verse 79, Dr. Luke reaches back into the Old Testament prophecy of Isaiah, chapter 9 and verse 2, and he quotes that passage. The purpose and reason for Jesus coming into the world, among other things, was to shine upon those who sat in darkness and the shadow of death and to guide their feet into the way of peace. To guide your feet in the way of peace. Every day that you live, Jesus will be your guide. He said, I'll never leave you nor forsake you. I will not abandon you. I will come to you in your time of need. Jesus Christ is wonderful. He is the first and the last, the beginning and the end. He is the, cre cre uh, the keeper of creation and the creator of all things. He is the architect of the universe and the manager of all times. He always was, always is, always will be unmoved unchanged, undefeated, and never undone. He was bruised and brought about healing. He was pierced and ceased and eased pain. He was persecuted and brought freedom. He was dead and brought life. He is risen and brought power. He reigns and brings peace. The world cannot understand him. The armies cannot defeat him. The schools cannot explain him and the leaders cannot ignore him. Herod couldn't kill him, the Pharisees couldn't confuse him, and the people couldn't hold him. Nero couldn't crush him, Hitler couldn't silence him, and Oprah can't explain him away. He is light and love and longevity and Lord. He is goodness and kindness and gentleness and God. He is holy and righteous, mighty and powerful and pure. His ways are right, his word is eternal. His will is unchanging and his mind is on me. He is my redeemer and my savior. He is my God and my peace. He is my joy and my comfort. He is my Lord and he rules my life. I serve him because his bond is love, his burden is light, and his goal is to give me the abundant life. I will follow him because he is the wisdom of the wise, the power of the powerful, the ancient of the days, the ruler of rulers, the leader of leaders, the overseer of the overcomers, and the sovereign Lord of all that was and is and is to come. His goal is to have a personal relationship with me. He will never leave me, never forsake me, never mislead me, never forget me, never overlook me, and never counsel my appointment in his appointment book. 
When I fall, he lifts me up. When I fail, he forgives me. When I am weak, he is strong. When I am lost, he is the way. When I am afraid, he is my courage. When I stumble, he steadies me. When I am hurt, he heals me. When I am broken, he mends me. When I am blind, he leads me. When I am hungry, he feeds me. When I face trials, he is with me. When I face persecution, he shields me. When I face problems, he comforts me. When I face loss, he provides for me. When I face death, he carries me home. He is everything for everybody, everywhere, every time, and in every way. He is God. He is faithful. I am his, and he is mine. My Father in heaven can whip the father of this world. So if you're wondering why I feel so secure, understand this. He said it. And that settles it. God is in control. I am on his side. And that means all is well with my soul. Every day is a blessing for God is. And he is more than wonderful than my mind can conceive. He is more wonderful than my heart can believe. He goes beyond my highest hopes and my fondest dreams. He's everything that my soul ever longed for. More than amazing, more than wonderful, more than marvelous, more than miraculous could ever be. He's more than wonderful. That's what Jesus is to me. And one of the greatest wonders of all is Jesus in me and Jesus in you. How did you or can you and I experience this great wonder? Do we ever need wonder in our lives? Oh, yes, we do, because without it, life is dull. Life is bland, blind, and dead, and we miss much of what God has prepared for us. The dullness of life has nothing to do with circumstances, but my spiritual condition on the inside determines it. When you're born again into God's family, you receive a whole new set of spiritual senses. And the inner person is raised from the dead and given divine life. He can make your life wonderful because his name is wonderful. And if you confess with your mouth the Lord Jesus and believe in your heart that God has raised him from the dead, you shall be saved. For the scripture says, whoever believes in him will not be disappointed For there is no distinction between Jew and Greek, for the same Lord is Lord of all, abounding in riches for all who call on him. For whoever will call upon the name of the Lord will be saved. Well, I tried him, and I found his promises are true. He's everything he said that he would be. The finest words I know could not begin to tell just what Jesus means to me. For he's more wonderful than my mind can conceive. He's more wonderful than my heart can believe. He goes beyond my highest hopes and my fondest dreams. He's everything that my soul has ever longed for. Everything he promised and so much more. More than amazing, more than marvelous, more than miraculous could ever be. He's more than wonderful. That's what Jesus is to me. And I stand amazed when I think that the King of glory should come to dwell within my heart I marvel just to know that he really loves me when I think of who he is and who I am. Ah, 
He's more than wonderful than my mind can conceive, more than wonderful than my heart can believe. He goes beyond my highest hopes and my fondest dreams. He's everything that my soul could ever long for, everything he ever promised, and so much more, more than amazing, more than marvelous, more than miraculous could ever be. He's more than wonderful. That's what Jesus is to me. May we bow together, please. Oh, we stand amazed in the presence of Jesus the Nazarene and wonder how he could love us. So wonderful, so marvelous, so miraculous. Thank you, Jesus, for becoming one of us. Thank you for loving us, for dying for us, rising from the grave for us, and through the person of the Holy Spirit whom you sent back to us to live in our hearts. We pray now that as we come to this time of invitation that you'd touch our hearts. And should there be one here today who feels impressed to trust you as Lord and Savior for the first time, O Spirit of God, speak to their hearts. And if you are here today and never have trusted Christ as your Savior and it is your desire to do so, you can become a Christian right now. You can become born again. If you just say a simple prayer like this, just say this in your heart. God looks upon your heart. He knows what's in your heart and in your mind. And just say, oh God, I'm a sinner and I'm sorry for my sin. I want to turn from my sin and I do. I turn to you, Jesus. I believe that you're God's son. I believe that you died on the cross for my sin and rose from the dead. I trust you as my savior. And I want to follow you as my Lord from this time forward and forevermore. Lord, I put my trust in you and surrender my life to you. Please come into my life and fill me with your Holy Spirit. In Jesus' name I pray, amen. Andre is going to lead us in our hymn of invitation. And if you're here today and need to make a decision for Christ, please come forward as we stand and sing. Thank you.